A new year is finally here. 2020, this is it, guys. Time to fulfill those New Year's resolutions. So what's yours? Well, mine is getting organized. So whether it may be that you've got a side hustle or you're a full-time entrepreneur, you're going to need a way to keep everything organized with your contracts. Enter QuickTrack. My friends at QuickTrack have the best way for you to create and sign a contract all from your mobile device. It's that easy. And you could do it all in 60 seconds. You don't have to worry about all the silly legal lingo. You don't have to understand any of that stuff. Plus, you can get it done, sent out to the other person, and get paid all within the app. So whichever side of the contract you might be on, you're going to love QuickTrack. Go download the free QuickTrack app today from the App Store. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. There's like a formula for success, but it varies so much. Like in school, you study, get the good grades, you pass the class. And yes, in professional development, there are scenarios where it works that way, but usually like you're doing an internship and sometimes it's not paid. And sometimes you have to stay late or, you know, sometimes you have to take this job that you don't really want and that is paid so that you can do the unpaid internship in the field you really want to be in. So there's all of these sacrifices that you make along the way. And it's not clear, um, especially working in sports. Like I think sports is one of those industries that you, you kind of have to um put in your put in your time and connections and resources and really lean into the experiences that you have even if they're not your absolute favorite or where you so i would say good morning and happy friday but for pretty much everybody out there i don't think that's the case especially if you're a sports fan The coronavirus has officially taken over. I think our world is ending, and I am not saying that in a joking way. I really don't know what's going on. I mean, let's be honest. Did any of us see this coming? Every major sports event canceled or postponed, suspended. I mean, these words are so epic. And a huge act of God has to happen. A natural disaster so big to make something as big as sports come to a stop. You know, sports is our universal language. That's something all across the world that we understand that we use to, you know, break away from the things we deal with in life. Sure, athletes aren't saving lives every day. I love one one of my guests always says, she's a good friend of mine, Charlotte Silverstein. She's a publicist. She always says, it's PR, not ER. So with anything in entertainment, sports, Sure, you're not saving lives, but you are entertaining and you're bringing life to people. So with the coronavirus, I mean, I I don't even know. I'm at a loss for words. Let's just count. So all NCAA conference tournaments canceled. March Madness canceled. Where are they going to make their money? That's a funny one, is that most people are saying, oh my gosh, this just shows how the NCAA hates everybody and is such a money-making beast. Well, how are they going to make their money? The tournament every single year is the biggest moneymaker. This is the biggest bracket buster of all time. And then it gets worse. The rest of the winter championships, all of the spring 
tournaments canceled. So all of these seniors that have come back for one last shot at the big title, poof, gone with one virus. That one breaks my heart. I'm really hoping that some of these seniors get another shot at eligibility next year. So for all you guys and girls out there, really thinking good thoughts, passing my love, I, I can't even imagine. And then, of course, the biggest news this week, the NBA postponing play, suspending league play. Adam Silver, the commissioner, comes out because Rudy Gobert, the jazz class clown, tests positive for coronavirus. If you saw the video, you know what I'm talking about. After joking about getting the coronavirus and spreading it, all that kind of BS. In an interview, he goes and touches all the microphones. And then apparently players and and all his teammates have been saying that he's been very careless in the locker room about hygiene, you know, going around and touching everybody's stuff. And then all of a sudden, his teammate Donovan Mitchell gets it, who's been very classy on social media responding, you know, saying thank you so much to everyone who's reached out. Doesn't sound like anybody else from the Utah Jazz organization has tested positive for the virus yet, but we're just waiting for somebody next in the league to come out with it. I don't know about you guys. I think it's going to be a ref. <sighs> um, yeah. So then, snowball effect... Finally, the MLB saying they're suspending all baseball operations. Well, that means spring training in full swing. About to come to a close, actually, at the end of what, next week? We're expecting opening day soon at the end of the month? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Will we get an opening day even in 2020? I don't know. I mean, probably. But we've never had anything like this before. And it's going to be really interesting to see how people scramble to figure out how to pay employees. I can't remember what the exact protocol is, but when something like this happens, whether it's an act of God, uh, you know, you know, an emergency situation, organizations are not responsible for paying their employees or contractors during time of I, not, I don't mean unemployment, but while everyone's not working, there's something like that. Well, think about it. So many people are going to be working from home. What are people going to be doing? So many people are going to be out of work eventually, I think, if, if this continues, if we cannot get a handle on coronavirus. I might be dramatic. And then all of a sudden, snowball effect. After the MLB announces, NHL says, we're suspending league play. And of course, they're a little bit more positive. Oh, we hope we can get back out there on the ice. But I know Mark Cuban, if you saw the video of his jaw dropping, oh my God, it was epic. He thinks the NBA players might be playing into August. How will that affect the health of our players? There's not much time between August and November. If the MLB is able to get up and running in the next few months, how long will the season go? Will we have a shortened season? I just have so many questions. What about the Olympics? There's been so much talk about it. And they are in the continent where it all started. The MLS season now suspended. 
all tennis events gone for the next six weeks. NASCAR will be going on just without fans. So uh, we'll be keeping you posted as this thing progresses, hopefully digresses. And if you posted any money, bet anything on uh, the tournament, the NCAA tournament, you will be getting your money back. So check on that. Um, So let's switch gears on a happier note. Since you'll have nothing to do besides listen to podcasts right now to escape the virus, I'd love to introduce you to my special guest, Bethany Crouch. She is a former student athlete at Sacramento State and now works in the athletic department there. And what I love about Bethany is she is all about empowering the female athlete, former or current. Her platform, her sports story is incredible. So go check it out. She's got an Instagram. She's got a blog. And I love her podcast. She speaks out on her own story as a former gymnast competing at Sac State what she's been through and empowering women to be able to develop their athlete mentality and get it back and use it in real life. So I'm going to let her explain her story and power you up today. Here's Bethany. Well, hey, Bethany, so excited to have you on the podcast. I know you have a podcast of your own, so uh, very exciting to have you on the other side of the mic today. Welcome. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And, you know, I don't even know, maybe this was a couple of months ago, but I came across your Instagram and I was looking through it. I'm like, this girl is, you know, exactly right on par with what I am doing. Oh my gosh. And I could tell we totally had similar missions. I loved the title <laughs> after orange slices. It's so good. And I just knew that one day we would connect. I remember being in the moment and I don't know, I don't recall if I reached out or not, but I definitely followed and said, this will be someone that I come in contact with. Yeah. And you reached out to me, thankfully, through, I think, Katie, right? Yeah. 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 So, yep, I knew our paths would eventually cross. I, I love that. But it's so funny because it's so good for me to hear that because I hate Instagram. I literally <laughs> me dread it. And so it's like, it makes me feel so good to know, okay, mm-hmm. at least my efforts on social media, platforms that I hate, are getting somewhere. And I get to meet the yeah. coolest people. Right, exactly. And I have the I have a very similar view where I feel a lot of gosh, resistance yeah. around it. And but then I have moments like these where I connect with people like yourself or have the, you know, opportunity to share a thought and someone comes through and says, That resonated with me so much. Thank you for saying it in this way. And so there are definitely gems to Instagram, but I, I feel yeah, mom yeah. has similar page. <laughs> totally. Well, I even went so far as making a new Instagram because I was off mm-hmm. of Instagram for two years just wow. because it was so negative for me. It was too hard. I felt like I couldn't be myself, yeah. um, mm-hmm. especially coming from the broadcasting world, a coming, f- coming from the cheerleading world. There were so many things that I felt like I couldn't share. Um, right. On the inside. And then all of a sudden, once I was able to launch the podcast, I realized, holy cow, people want to see the real you. And yeah. that's when I decided, OK, I don't care how many followers or followers I lose. I'm deleting my old Instagram, even though I was already off it for two years. I started a new one and I was like, 
this is going to make me work harder. But also my mission is to be honest with everyone. I don't Mm -hmm. care if people judge me. Um, It wasn't like, and it wasn't necessarily something where I was scared of people judging me, but I thought about Mm -hmm. the things where, oh, what if I share this and then I won't get a job? Or, you know, what if, um, you know, what if an employer or a coach sees that and then I get in trouble? And nobody should feel that way. It was like, I always felt this like fear or some sort of, um, you know, like layer between me and social media that made me not be real to followers. Like when I was with the NFL, we weren't allowed to have our our last name on social media. We weren't Mm. allowed to post pictures of ourselves in our uniform. Um, It's changed now. All the rules have changed since I was in the league. But we were not allowed to basically acknowledge that you were an NFL cheerleader. It was like supposed to be secretive. And so I felt like, well, this is the biggest part of my life. How am I supposed to not share that? So I'm sure that you've encountered similar things being a former athlete and learning how to share your internal real self, right? Right, exactly. And I think what people sometimes find refreshing is that authenticity, not the prettiest picture, but maybe they will read that caption that, you know, you pour your heart into. And yeah, I think it's needed in a world where everything seems perfect. And I think coming from a background of cheerleading and for myself, gymnastics, there's like this persona and perception that you have to be flawless expectation Mm -hmm. right so I would say that it's been a journey for myself as well because yeah I think initially when Instagram started it was the highlight reel it was everyone's highlight reel and now I see more and more people using it for a cause using it for a mission similar to us and using it to be real because you know in a world with so much fluff, sometimes it's just nice to have that transparency there. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's totally what it is. And it's especially now relative for athletes to be able to use it and be transparent because I feel like before, like exactly what we are talking about, but before yeah. you weren't able to share your real self. And now professional athletes especially are able to kind of come out and say, hey, I'm dealing with these problems. I'm dealing with mental mm-hmm. health. I'm dealing with this. This is the yes. real me off the court, off the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like you. Yeah. And I think with that, it's it's open this whole world and I'm so grateful for it because especially working in college athletics now and, you know, student athlete well-being, mental health is at the top of my priority list. Even though I, I work in academics and life skills, when an athlete comes in and we're talking about classes and I can tell something's off, we start talking about athletics, life, health, and it is again so refreshing when you know that pro athlete comes out and says yeah i'm struggling with depression or you know even when they retire from sport mm-hmm. how what a hard transition that is um so on the flip side you know i know me and you share similar views or resistance feelings mm-hmm. around instagram and social media but there are And looking at it this way, there's so many benefits. Totally. Well, and also because Instagram has really gotten on board with 
noticing that there is a connection between social media and mental health, noticing mm-hmm. that they need to protect their users. So I really applaud them on that. Yes. I agree. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's a big one. But as far as what you recognize in the students that you work with and um, the athletes that you help with um, her sports story, what would you say is the number one struggle that athletes face when they leave college athletics or the pro Mm -hmm. level? Yeah, I think there's this complete loss of identity. And in addition to um, maybe not knowing that it's okay to grieve over this transition and the, the loss or, um, you know, the somewhat breakup yeah. of your sport because, uh, and I take my personal example, when you graduate or when you decide to be done with sport, everyone's like, okay, what's next? It's and so abrupt. Yeah, it's so abrupt. And when I transitioned out, I I went out on injury and I just hit the ground running for professional development. I took any internship I could. I was working, you know, like three jobs at a time and basically just replaced professional development in place of my sport. And it wasn't until after 10 internships and part-time jobs that I'm sitting in my first full-time role, Mm -hmm. which I loved but I'm sitting at a desk for eight hours and all of a sudden I miss gymnastics Mm -hmm. so much and I didn't pay respect. I didn't take time to process it. And so when I have an athlete, you know, who is leaving sport and struggling, or maybe they got cut from a team, I tell them to lean into those feelings because you're going to feel them eventually. It's just whether you try to work through it now or you do so in four or five years like I did. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that it's okay to be sad, to be upset. Uh, this experience makes grown men cry. We have seen grown men, you know, retiring from their sport just break down. And that's because that connection is so deep, which again leads to now identity. Like who am I? beyond sport? What is, what are my passions anymore? And I think, again, we, we have this pressure to, to know exactly what's next or what's going to make our heart happy next. And I think that comes from societal um, kind of conditioning, but what I tell them is that just to get into this like exploring and curious kind of phase Mm -hmm. where try something for a bit, if you have fun with it, it was a good time or investment of your time. Okay. If, if you, you know, try it and you're like, oh, I don't really like it, still a good investment of your time because you figured out, you're figuring out always what you do like and what you don't like. And we're on this journey. There's no end mark. And I don't believe there's one thing you're going to do for the rest of your life and never want to do anything else. So, I recommend that athletes explore, you know, take up something that you've always wanted to do. Was, mm-hmm. Is that drawing? Is that yeah. yoga? Is that fishing? Like whatever it Something is. you never had time for before. Right. Just try it and don't put expectation on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you put it best. I can't remember where I read this, if it was on your um, Instagram or s- website. Mm-hmm. You were in a serious relationship with gymnastics yep. for yep. 15 years. 
Right. That is a long time to be in a serious relationship. So when you deal with that breakup, anybody can understand who's been through a breakup or endured a loss. That is something that you have to mourn for a long time and it's not going to be abrupt. You're not going to be able to get over that in just a year. So what would what would you say was your biggest coping mechanism? Hmm. When I, you know, I I think it was a continued process of, a, of, again, trying a variety of things. Yeah. So, again, I hit the ground running. I I would say I had a love-hate relationship with gymnastics. Yeah. And so when I was Which done, is normal. I love that you said that. So yeah. normal. Like, I was the same way. I don't know if you were like this. Sorry to interrupt you. But no. I could not watch cheerleaders for the next few years after yeah. I had after I had retired. Mm-hmm. It, it like was really hard for me. I couldn't watch dance shows, not like the competition shows, yeah. everything. Yeah. And people didn't understand. And it was really dark for me. And yeah. it's like because it is that loss and it's putting that relationship that you had right in front of you. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like checking in on your ex's Instagram. Right. Yes. Seeing now. And it's very similar. So. I, you know, I think I had a good amount of time, like three, I think it was almost three years. Yeah, about three years between ending my sport and then getting like my first full time job and graduating college and all of that. But I just like I kept running and I kept um, achieving and I was this achievement junkie. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I sat still that I realized that I never processed it. And then from there, I started one using Google. I was I would literally be at my desk and be like, uh, resources oh for former athletes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Former gymnast workout. <laughs> like I would just type anything in there and I felt so kind of lost in that yeah. transition because when like like consider your teammates, for example they all have moved on too. And you're seeing them through the lens of their social media. They got a new job. Um, They seem to be doing great at life. So the expectation is that you move on, you figure it out and get over it. And you still, you just live your life. And so I didn't talk with very many other teammates about it. I was like, well, this is just what we're supposed to be doing. So it's embarrassing. Right. Exactly. So I, you know, Gosh, I try to think of what I tried. I literally tried every studio fitness class that you could possibly think of. They always <laughs> recommend those for athletes because of like the regimen uh, that we're used to. Right. But I don't know. It's only certain ones work for me. Same. It's, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a little bit. And then I reached a point, I was here around 25, uh-huh. where... I totally had like a quarter life crisis. Right. As we all do. And had this realization um, that I was relying on external factors to make me happy. Right. So my job, um, I was relying on other people and not that you shouldn't or have those relationships, but I wasn't spending time with myself or putting in the personal development to make me happy on from the inside out mm-hmm. rather than the outside in. Mm-hmm. So I started on a big personal development journey that I'm very much still on. Yeah. Gosh, five years later. 
Um, so I think that had a big part in kind of molding away from the true identity that I was just a gymnast. I was so much more and I got to take my experiences as a gymnast and now pay it forward and share my experiences with the athletes that I was working with and be a resource for them in their times of hardship or transition. So as far as coping goes, there wasn't, there's not one thing, at least for me, there might be one thing for an athlete out there, but it's such a journey because sport was so much a part of your whole life. So it was your fitness routine. It was, it shaped how you ate. It shaped your social setting. It wasn't just a sport you did. It was literally every aspect of your life. So when you transition out, you, if you're feeling lost in a variety of areas, that's why, because sport was your life. And now you have the opportunity to, you know, re-examine your social settings and, and your friend group and mm-hmm. say, is, is that a fit? anymore. And sometimes it's okay that you're not like the best of friends with former teammates that you were while on yep. the team. Yeah. Everyone changes and settings change. So from your friend group and then, uh, you know, just rediscovering how to eat and to do so with what's best for your body right now. Mm-hmm. And so there's all of these factors. And that's why I, I chalk it up to not being one thing because sport encompassed almost every aspect of your life. Would you say that your transition was extra difficult because you were going through it with another athlete being that your now husband mm-hmm. was a former baseball player? So you guys were both going through it together? Yeah. Right. So I would say, so, so with my husband's journey, he played baseball at Sacramento State. There was a coaching change and he was released from the team. So mm-hmm. he transferred to another school, realized that that wasn't a good fit either, was released from that team and was so in, you know, I would say in his head yeah. um, that when he I was with him when he got the call from the coach Okay, and he broke down crying and to see. So I saw that before I ended my journey. And so the difference between our journeys is that my husband's was somewhat decided for him and mine, although I was injured, I could have decided to get surgery Mm -hmm. and continued. Um, But I had such a different appreciation Um, after seeing what my husband, I mean, then boyfriend, but husband went through and how much he loved his sport. I just remember thinking, I have never seen anyone love a sport. You love baseball. And then I'm like, I am a horrible athlete. (laughs) I do not love my sport like that. And so, you know, I almost felt kind of oddly. Well, baseball's so mental. You have to love it. Yes. So, you know, and seeing that transition with him, I think it somewhat prepped me or was a little eye-opening for mine. But I think what's been even more valuable in having him as a partner, like, throughout this is, like, now both of us working with athletes. So I work with collegiate athletes. Mm -hmm. He works with – he's a physical therapist. He works collegiate and high school and professional. And we both used – uh, our 
our pain in our experiences for our purpose now. So my husband, you know, for the, one of the reasons he was released is because he had a back injury Mm -hmm. and wasn't playing, wasn't able to play. And now he helps athletes through injury. And with mine, I, the reason I got into this specific job of college athletics, so it's academic advising, but I more so got into it for life skills programming because I saw a lack of a bridge between being done with your sport and graduating and the real world. Mm -hmm. And that there's, there's quite a jump there. And so now I, um, you know, I, I went through it myself as far as like hit the ground running with internships and made so many mistakes along the way. Um, but it provided such experience for what I do now and providing these programs for athletes and these resources that just start opening the perspective of let's start preparing just a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about it. And so that, you know, I think when adulting hits, it's a shock to everyone, but maybe we can make it a little less of a shock and mm-hmm. you can feel a little bit more prepared mm-hmm. um, for life after sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, still, it sounds like you've got such a good handle on it now. And being able to share what you've been through with your husband, because you have such similar experiences, Mm -hmm. makes for you to be able to kind of um, mend your relationship with gymnastics, in a sense. Am I right? Yes, completely. Because, again, you know, probably when I ended sport and even throughout it, because during my journey after I was in, I think I was in 10th grade and I went to the college bound meet where all the college coaches, you know, line up and are watching you basically to recruit you. Mm -hmm. And after that meet, I quit gymnastics and I became a cheerleader for my high school. And it wasn't until college letters started coming in the mail Mm -hmm. for gymnastics that I was like, Oh, well, maybe I should think about going back. Like that mm-hmm. might be kind of a cool experience. Mm-hmm. So I go back, still have, you know, extreme feelings of burnout. Um, the culture for the most part was was decent, but I was so in my head um, and struggled in a variety of ways um, that I ended up quitting again. And that at that point, I had already verbally committed um, to Sacramento State. And I quit not only cheerleading, but also gymnastics. And my senior year was at a total loss. So I've always had this back and forth or always had that back and forth experience with gymnastics. Thankfully, I ended up um, being able to still come to Sacramento State and compete on the team. And, you know, college gymnastics was so much different. And I finally was at a place where I was like, it was refreshing and it it reignited my passion. And then I got injured. And so I had to sit out the entire, my entire first year. I competed my sophomore year and then barely like made it through my, uh, my junior year with various injuries. And so it was always a back and forth and a struggle. And there were times where I was definitely like, why did, why now that I 
love gymnastics again. Mm-hmm. Do I have to be injured? And it makes it harder. And then, you know, college gymnastics has its own challenges. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think with anything, when you have your journey and you have, a, you have bumps in your journey, for the most part, college athletics is not a fairy tale by any means, even though no in high way. school we chalk it up to be or we think that it's going to be just amazing. And aspects of it definitely are. Totally. But um, it was time that really mended my relationship with gymnastics and then brought it full circle to being so grateful for the non-traditional path that I had so that I'd be able to speak on a variety of levels um, to athletes today. So have you got started on your New Year's resolution yet? Well, I've already been able to fulfill mine. For me, it was getting organized. So as much as my room's not clean yet, my phone, I'm getting digitally there. Plus, I'm using QuickTrack. Like I told you at the beginning of this episode, this app has saved my life. It's a free download. You can create and sign a contract all within your cell phone. It's so easy. Basically, the app tells you how to write a contract. You feel like a badass lawyer right when you're doing it. Go do it right now. You won't regret it, whether you are a businessman, businesswoman, or just somebody who needs to hire a babysitter and make sure that everything's okay. Go download the QuickTrack app today from the App Store for free. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. Now, back to the show. Wow. Well, that's the thing is, I think when we leave our sport, there are so many things that... um, we are so angry about whether it be injury or how a meet game competition went that we forget about the other lessons outside of that sport that we were able to take away and it Mm -hmm. might show up a little bit later in life but it's almost like that's what makes us a better person yeah no it's so true and just seeing the perspective of former athletes change from when they first graduated to, you know, maybe a couple years down the road to see the, the shift kind of take place of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, my sport made me who I am today. And I'm so grateful for, for the grind that it was. And for those tough experiences that I that I did endure because now I'm able to handle a variety of other things that life may throw at me. Isn't that funny? Like I remember my last my last broadcasting job, I mm-hmm. had this just weirdo boss who mm-hmm. just would yell whenever, like very abusive language, just mm-hmm. The, the things that would come out of his mouth, I'm just like, do you realize what you're saying? You know, whatever. But yeah. you get used, when you're in sports and you're competing at such a when you're competing at such an elite level, you get right. so used to people screaming at you all the time. <laughs> you know, like you are just so used to I, I don't want to say for everyone abused, but you're just so used to the hardships that you endure by your coaches or whoever is in authority. So it's mm-hmm. like by the time you have an, a crazy boss in your outside of sports job, it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And it used to drive this boss crazy that he didn't yeah. that he didn't, you know, itch me at all because he would right. make other my other coworkers cry. 
like they would be crying and I would stand up to him and just be like, you know, like when I would, um, you know, when the, the work car is stuck out in a blizzard and oh, all of a sudden the car dies. And for some reason, I'm getting screamed at because it's my fault. You know what I mean? And I'm just yeah. I'm telling him, oh, you know, it's not my it's not my fault. And this is a completely irrelevant story, I realized. But my point being that there are so many people in this world that you don't realize you're going to have to deal with so many different personalities, but yes. because of the hard things you've been through in your sport, you are so much better prepared for it. I feel like yeah. now I can tackle anything. I can deal with anybody, like bring it on baby, you know? Yeah, no. And that, that story is completely relevant yeah. because it shaped your response <laughs> basically your response mechanisms to to things that happen totally and you're like oh okay yeah. well cool um and then it, you're somewhat able to find the the underlying meaning of what said person is trying to do or trying to say without all of the right i would say uh coverings of yelling and screaming yes um because yeah, because of that experience, and I think there's a lot of experiences like that that lend themselves to very similar scenarios, whether that is at work or just in life. Um, and the I would say challenges that come up um, that are that are unexpected and that are at the, at times silly, like when yeah. you have when you have 80 different things to do and you're trying to tackle them on, you feel overwhelmed and just how you break down scenarios or break down when you're feeling pressure as far as how you're going to tackle said situation. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. 100%. Like you've developed all of these um, skills for coping with life, not just people, but um, you, you know, you don't even realize and it's, it's so fascinating because even though I've been so removed from my sport for such a long time now, mm-hmm. I feel like the further I get, the more I'm still growing because I'm developing these skills, um, right. which is so fascinating to me because it's like there are things that I can do that I never realized I had. Yeah. And uh, I believe that sport provides you the the platform for growth and whether you initially realize that or not. So, because I think when we initially transition out of sport, we feel like a noob, like we feel like a newbie at so many things. And then we're so hard on ourselves. And, you know, it's not until we kind of take a step back and think like, Oh, well, it took me like 15 years to be an expert at my sport. So why should I be, you know, so hard on myself that in the first month or first three months of my job, that I'm just doing okay. And, uh, you know, cause athletes have that inherent drive to, to be the best mm-hmm. always. And so it, once we figure that out, our capacity for growth, I think is even more, sometimes even more than it was in a, as an athlete, mm-hmm. because you have had that kind of mind shift around it. Wow. That's interesting. I love that you put it that way because you really have to think that way because if you've been in your sport for such a long time, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking baseball specifically, if you've been in the minor leagues for such a long time, you know, you haven't had another job. Um, and 
you got to somehow put all of what you've been through as a mm-hmm. minor league player onto a resume. And that doesn't always translate to an employer. So right. as an advisor, I'm sure that mm-hmm. you've got to teach your student athletes how to show that to a, right. sp- a perspective employer yeah. because it's like college students just in general most of them don't have time to do right. internships even yeah so you know i one always advocate for athletes to do like informational interviews and find someone or I'll help, yep. i will help you find someone to talk to for 15 minutes about their profession or career how they got there listen to their journey and just I think that's really a part of like the exploratory phase and then if you you know don't really have the opportunity to do an internship and haven't been able to been be involved with even like on-campus groups or leadership roles Mm -hmm. in any capacity I always tell athletes like when I get a resume and I see that they didn't put their student athlete experience like as a job. That what? is a job. It is a job. Yeah. 100%. So, I always. Yeah. Yes. Right. And to put, you know, not only not even under like activities, like, no, when you're first starting out, that is a huge centerpiece for mm-hmm. you. So division one, two or three student athlete practice for 20 hours a week minimum and took a full academic Mm -hmm. school load, Mm -hmm. collaborated with teammates. Like there's so many ways that you can take those transitional skills and get attractive to an employer for especially being competitive and having that drive. And we have employers wanting to hire student athletes right out the gate, even without a ton of experience because they know their work ethic and, Um, ability to adapt. Now, on the flip side of that, I like my first interview ever, I was interviewing with a minor league baseball team. And I think I was, I think I was looking in sales or something like that. And so when I was an athlete, I was, you know, totally told what we were just talking about, that employers want to hire you uh, for XYZ qualities that you Mm -hmm. possess. So I was like, I was going into this phone interview, super confident. And so he's like, tell me about yourself. And so I tell, tell him I've been a competitive gymnast all my life, trained almost up to 40 hours a week yeah. during high school. And then 20 when I was in collegiate athletics and I was explaining basically all the things that I was supposed to say mm-hmm. about being driven and, and being successful and having teammates collaborating and he literally stopped me. He's like, wait, you mean to tell me you've done nothing else? And oh my gosh. I was like, well, yeah. And he was like, literally go get a job, any job and just start there. And so I went and worked at like Abercrombie for like Good maybe, for you. Yeah. maybe three weeks. Um, but it was a domino effect of, okay, I had this part-time job that I could yeah. put on my resume. It, right. was for, it was for three weeks. I like barely survived. And then I got an internship in entertainment. And then that led me to something else. So I always, you know, if I could encourage athletes to even do like a two-week shadowing at home for the summer if they can, or one of my, I would say, pretty 
much, one of my greatest internships was actually through what's now Athlete Network. So Athlete Network is kind of like the LinkedIn for Mm -hmm. athletes. And so I was basically a social media marketing intern on my campus. So I got to do this internship and complete these assignments around my schedule. And I made it work with my, with my classes and sport and whatnot. So I always encourage them to, to do so, even if it's for a little bit, whether that's an internship or shadowing. And I know it's hard and I know it's scary, but I think it'll, it'll serve you in the long run. And you hopefully won't be on that first interview like Mm me, but tell it and have someone tell you or ask you that is your sport has that that's all oh, you've, you've done because <laughs> like, all you've done is literally all I've done oh my gosh like, wow it, I mean if just, only they knew like right. the not going to parties in high school not right. barely ha- being able to hang out with friends like right. all of that know. like yep <laughs> I know so like when I people only- talk about parties in high school I'm like yeah. oh yeah well I don't know what that's like but okay <laughs> Right. I'm like, I never did that in high school. (laughs) Um, But no, I just, I always share that story because that's the flip side of it. Mm -hmm. Because we, as, you know, collegiate athletes are sometimes told that like companies want to hire you and they do, but not maybe the every company nor the company that you're really looking to get into or that industry you're looking to get into. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I think that's no, I think that's spot on. Um, It's so true that you just got to start somewhere. And I think like we're so used to being the best at something. You're so used to being at the top, especially being at a college. Like I know Mm -hmm. for me, you know, you're so not I don't want to say worshipped. That's not the right word, but you're you yeah, know, you have clout. Yeah. You have clout. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. And you have, it's it's social clout. It's, yeah. you know, I don't know, booster clout. I don't know, everything. Like, yeah. you just, you have a presence. You have an identity. And totally. then all of a sudden, when that's gone, and you're trying to develop as something else, and you think, oh, I have all these connections. I'm totally going to get hired mm-hmm. somehow, some way. That doesn't happen. Right. You have to start at the bottom again because you have not mm-hmm. put in all of that same time that you put into your sport your entire life. And right? I think that that's a big mistake that we make, um, especially like in my world in broadcasting, only the more famous, very lucky athletes are the ones that get immediate contracts at right. Fox Sports and ESPN right mm-hmm. after playing. Yeah. Otherwise, that doesn't happen to everybody. Most people have to go to local TV and you got to start somewhere. But most people don't realize that. It's crazy to me how many people just assume, oh, well, I know everyone in sports. I know everybody in the sports media industry. I know all these people at networks. I'll definitely get hired. It doesn't work that way. And I'm sure that you have seen the same thing in your field. Oh, yeah. I know. I Sometimes I feel like a, a low-key dream crusher because I'll, yeah. like, I'll have totally. students who are, who are not uh, necessarily athletes either come into my office and, and say, I want to work in this office after sport or after college, after uh-huh. I graduate. And I, you know, give them options like, okay, like this is where to start. I was like, also, it took me five years to get this yeah. job. I have wanted this job since junior year of college 
and have been working and doing various jobs within athletics to eventually get me here. And, you know, sometimes they leave like super <laughs> and I'm like, I'm the worst, but I try to provide They'll them. thank you later. Yeah. Like with this perspective and, and I don't know if being, I don't know if college necessarily teaches you that. I think sometimes no. college teaches you how to go to college, Yep, which is great. You learn so much from the experience, but there's this whole other world of professional development that exists yeah. where, yes, there are, there's like a formula for success, but it varies so much. Yeah. Like in school, you study, um, you get the good grades, you pass the class. And yes, in professional development, there are scenarios where it works that way, but usually like you're doing an internship and sometimes it's not paid and sometimes you have to stay late or, you know, sometimes you have to take this job that you don't really want and that is paid so that you can do the unpaid internship in the field you really want to be in. So Mm -hmm. there's all of these sacrifices that you make along the way. And it's not clear, um, especially working in sports. Like I think sports is one of those industries that you, you kind of have to, um, put in your put in your time and connections and resources and really lean into the experiences that you have even if they're not your absolute favorite or where you ultimately want to be. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. I'm thinking back to when I was in college, my favorite class was I don't remember what it was called exactly. It was something like Oh, gosh. Job skills and resumes. Something. It was something where we learned how to put together our resumes, Mm -hmm. how to put together a cover letter. And I am not kidding. And I took it my final quarter of senior year. Mm -hmm. And I graduated early. So but anyway, my last quarter that I took. But it was the best thing that I did, even though it was like a two credit class. You know, it was like once a week. But I learned more in that one class than I did my entire yeah three and a half almost four years of college because right. I learned how to prepare myself I used the same resume format for the last however many years and mm-hmm. I learned how to be professional and yeah. I wished more people got that opportunity but I also wish that more people introduced those things to me earlier on in college because I would have been more prepared I would have taken more initiative because mm-hmm. pretty much all I learned in college was how to write how to take shots and how to meet boys yep <laughs> I am not joking yeah. you <laughs> uh-huh. yeah I mean I think you there's definitely sometimes I think the college experience as well is learning how to handle so much Mm -hmm. at once. So whether you're, you're working or you're in a sport and then you're taking a full academic load and you're balancing all of these things, I think it's, you know, really teaching you how to hone in on those life skills, right? Like, uh, time management, stress management. Uh, But yeah, as far as like true professional development, a lot of my professional development came from athletics administration in the athletics department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm recalling like 
because our um, athletic academic center was called the JQA Center. And there were some counselors in there who were so in sync with what you needed. And some mm-hmm. that like weren't really, they just kind of would like go over your classes at the beginning of the quarter or whatever, and then kind of let you on your way or make sure right. you didn't miss tutoring. But um, I really saw the difference in somebody that cared to make sure that you had the skills to succeed in something else than the classroom or the court, right. the field, whatever your sport may be. Yeah. yeah, because at the end of the day, you're you're more than both of those titles. You're more than a student and you're more than an athlete. And when like recruits come in, one of the, you know, in the first two minutes of talking to them, I, I say, you know, like one day in the future, it's going to be scary. But uh, you won't be a college student oh, man. and you won't be an athlete. They can't even... And they're that. like, I'm like, I know, I know it seems like eons away, but you know, the, the programs that we put on and the career nights and financial literacy events, they are all for contributing to that, to that after piece that'll be coming at you a lot sooner than you think. Oh, big time. That is so real. And I love that. And I feel like with your platform, you are helping so many women deal with that because we didn't have those resources as much so um, as you're kind of alluding to back in the day. Yeah. And I think now even again, more like tying it back to social media and its benefits. I mean, I would say I created her sports story after having the idea for maybe three or four years. Okay. I didn't know what exactly it was, but I knew I had to do something to help athletes. And I didn't really know how. And even though I was working in college athletics, I wasn't always in positions that were athlete facing all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew I had to create something. And I think it it was honestly just one day of after three or four years of the creative process and rolling it around. And I bought so Well, thanks for listening today. Make sure you catch our next episode. Don't miss an episode of After Orange Slices every week, twice a week. So go subscribe so you don't miss the podcast. Whatever app you're listening on, you can subscribe on. And make sure you go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Would love to hear what you love most about the show. And make sure you don't miss any of the behind the scenes actions. Go follow me on Instagram at After Orange Slices.